Welcome to the Best Science Medicine Podcast, BS without the BS. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 566th episode of the Best Science Medicine Podcast. My name is James McCormack, and I'm a professor with the Faculty of Pharmaceutical Sciences at the University of British Columbia. I'm Mike Allen, a family doctor and the director of practice board at the College of Family Physicians of Canada. I'm also an adjunct professor at the University of Alberta. And just like our last podcast, we have a guest today, and we have the same guest back again because they have been very dutiful in getting a whole bunch of tools for practice done yeah. for us, uh, carrying um, the weight of the team. Thank you, Emily. So, Emily, why don't you just introduce yourself? Well, thank you, Mike. <laughs> um, so, I'm Emily Braski, physician, uh, sorry, family physician in Ottawa, and also a physician advisor at the College of Family Physician of Canada. And we're going to go. We're going to talk about a topic that I think you know is is so common. I think in primary care, and it's just talking about uh, you know what are the actual benefits and harms of topical corticosteroids for atopic dermatitis in pretty much everybody. And I think like you guys know much better than I do. This is very common, and there's always a worry about uh, about do cortic corticosteroids work, and then what about the harms of them? So we're gonna we're gonna dive deep into this. Right. And I'll tell a little bit of the background yeah. of this. So I'm on my, I've got my eyes open for topics that I think could be relevant, particularly um, that uh, will resonate with a lot of docs because we see it commonly. And so I saw this come out in another journal, a summary of a Cochrane review, and it sounded like some really interesting findings. So I said to Emily, Emily, this should be a great one for you to do. There's going to be great things that you can talk about. And then she looked at the evidence and because our lens is a little more critical, mm -hmm. <laughs> there were there were challenges there. Emily, why don't I let you take it over from there? And you can you can say how much you uh, thought about hiring a hitman to get rid of me after, <laughs> after I gave you this task. Well, well, you know, it's like those cockroaches, it's only a thousand pages and then you have to like, yeah, spend hours combing from a different little, Ways the resource reported and blah, blah, blah. But uh, yes, yeah, so it ended up being a little more holy um, than Mike had suggested it would be. But I kind of knew before I started, Mike, <laughs> you're like, it was going to be easy. I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> That's how I bait you, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> Okie dokie. So yeah, the question is, what are the benefits and harms of topical corticosteroids? And we're talking about kids and children. Um, and Adults and children. Sorry. Yes, you're right. Well, yes, adults and children for atopic dermatitis. We have four systemic reviews in the past 10 years, and I'll go through them. So the first question is, how do they compare versus a vehicle or a moisturizer, right? Which would be sort of your step down from the steroids, your daily moisturizer. And ideally, what you would like, or actually what I was... I wanted would be some RCTs that compare something like hydrocortisone, which is your lower potency corticosteroid versus in some sort of a vehicle or moisturizer. Um, but we don't have a lot of uh, enough RCTs to be able to say whether or not some low potency corticosteroid is actually better than vehicle or moisturizer. What we do have is um, a systematic review that combined all topical corticosteroids. So we're talking about low potency, medium potency, high potency, all of them, and uh, compared the response rate, which was 65%, versus um, a control group that would have a moisturizer vehicle, and that was 32%. There is no statistical comparisons, but what we can say is if we group all types of steroids combined, 
they're probably more efficacious than if you just have a moisturizer or a bagel. But but that's it. those are useful. Those are kind of useful numbers to know, right? If you you're going to get and it's hard <clears throat> hard to know whether the moisturizer vehicle is just a placebo. Probably not. It probably has some an effect, but it's about. 30% versus maybe 60% or 60 to 70%. So it gives a baseline because I would say if, if there is a 30% improvement, I think uh, you, you guys can let me know, but that oh, that would be an important difference, at least clinically, as long as there was no side effects. Well, this is a number needed to treat of around uh, three, right? Yeah, but, exactly. But Emily is exactly right. What we thought, again, kind of like the hearing aid discussion, we thought that there would be robust evidence of steroids, even at low potency compared to a similar vehicle. Mm -hmm. um, and there was almost nothing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite something, isn't it? And it, it just speaks to the fact that you can, I mean, steroids have been around for decades and you don't have to do the studies. Yeah, yeah, it's just fascinating. Well, I kind of disagree, Jen, because you don't have to do the study when you're looking at high-potency steroids. I think everybody would agree that it probably works. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, no, if you have... If, yeah, if you have... Billions of dollars. Yeah, if you, if, you, if, you, if you have a... like if And I think, you, you, are you talking about the fact that there, there is no doubt that these high-potency works because you see it so, so clinically quickly in your practice? Is that what you were saying? Yeah, I'm th yeah, I think the high potency, I would, I would say, as you're saying, that is the high potency versus nothing. I think we would probably all agree that it works. But yeah. really, the question is the low potency. Um, is it worth, you know, spending the money on that and spending the time to prescribe it, or is it not worth it? And I don't, we don't have the answer to that. Yeah, and I, and I think that's an important sort of evidence discussion. You know, if you have a person who has had whether it be atopic dermatitis or any sort of skin condition and they've had it for a long, long, long period of time. And like I said, if you throw, you know, a high potency corticosteroid on it and it improves within a, uh, a week or two, that, that actually evidence in, and Mike, and I'm sure, and Emily, you know, this, that, that actual level of evidence is, is considered, you know, up, up there with the randomized controlled trial, the sort of N of one trial where you've had something for years and years and years, nothing has worked. And then you put something on and it works that, so that is actually good evidence. And that's the type of evidence that you're saying with the high potency. Yeah. And we do kind of have a systematic review that combined mm -hmm. all of the steroids together yeah. and it has 65 response rate. Right. Yeah. So I think we can all agree that at, at one, at, um, as long as you're potent enough, it kind of works. But mm -hmm. if you, we don't know at what level this starts. Um, yeah. Now there's this thing called a weekend therapy, uh, which got Mike very excited. Mm -hmm. um, so the way it works <laughs> is that you have a lot, Emily. I don't have a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you treat patients uh, for two to four weeks with a high potency steroid. So what they use is fluticasone 0.05% or 0.005%. So for two to four weeks, you receive this high potency steroids until they clear the atopic dermatitis. And then you randomized, well, the research team randomizes them to either um, just doing a vehicle cream or doing a vehicle cream plus the high potency steroid two days a week. And those are two days, two consecutive days, which is why it's called the weekend therapy. And uh, patients that had more than one flare over, so I had one flare or more over 16 to 20 weeks. So we have four RCT, 718 patients, and it was 28% with fluticasone versus 61% um, with the placebo group. That's the number needed to treat a three. 
Right. And so this then, is, oh, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say this was this was interesting because the reason this came up or the reason that we spent so much time looking for this and and looking around it was because we were looking for anything that compared to vehicle. Mm-hmm. And this was really one of the few that actually had substantive evidence for our CTs with 700 patients. And and then we started to look into, because obviously atopic dermatitis for anyone listening already knows this, but it is a relapsing and remitting condition. Mm-hmm. And particularly there are often areas for individuals that recur. That could be the popliteal fossa, the anticubital fossa, the hands, the feet, you, you name it. But they have those areas that it keeps coming back. And so this is a strategic way to try and control those recurrent flares from coming back. And so we would often say to patients, get your eczema under control, your atopic dermatitis, and then switch to a vehicle, something if it's if your skin is very dry, something like a, a Vaseline or an mm-hmm. Aquaphor, or if it's not, then you can use a Glaxo base and those kind of things. But this this uh, takes it a step further for people who just keep getting those flares. Can we give them a little burst of corticosteroids every um, once a week or twice, t- two days a week, but on a single kind of weekend? And can we control it? And I was impressed by that, um, by the by the difference going from sixty to thirty um, or so. so. Yeah, and Mike. Yeah, Sorry. No, I was going to say, and Mike, I, I haven't brought this up in a number of podcasts because I know how sensitive you are about this, but the words low dose come to mind. Oh, James, thank goodness you brought that up because I was feeling, yeah, I was, I was, there was an emptiness growing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think it, it's a, it's a really important issue because we, you know, there's so many, you could even, I'm not, I'm not trying to equate atopic dermatitis to, to heartburn, but once you get control of something, whatever that condition is with whatever you were using, it doesn't mean that you have to stay with that same dose. And, you know, the, the, uh, it, it's all incumbent, and, but we don't know if it's a two days a week or three days a week or a one day a week. And I think what, what we as healthcare providers need to give is, is the permission or approach to say, we don't know the right dose for you, but why don't you try this? And, and I think, you know, certainly if you can do that, you will end up using lower doses for many, many things and hopefully, well, certainly less cost, but hopefully less side effects. And I think that's the whole process, but you will never, there'll never be a study of that one person in front of you other than an end of one study. Mm-hmm. The only thing, they're still using, um, so they're not using a low potency corticosteroid, right? No, no. It's still high potency. And you're talking about having a 30% of the time. So, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, but it's it's better than 100 of the time, and it's you know, and if it has yeah. an effect, and you know, there we don't we don't know if I, I, personally, I, I, again, looking at this data, if it was me, I would rather put on a high potency once or twice a week than having to do it every day. So you know, it's all that of a low potency. Yeah, yeah. low potency. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, totally. Why yeah, not? Because because yeah, low dose is actually it's not it's the simplest way to think about it is like you'd be using a low potency corticosteroid, but you can use a high potency, let's say once a week or yeah. twice a week. And that is still getting a lower dose. Yeah. Right? You're still oh yeah. Getting no. And by, dose. yeah. And by low dose, I, I don't mean low potency. I mean, just less of whatever it was that worked. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that's what yeah. you're trying yeah, to say. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. 
But I guess you'd have to compare, like you'd have to have a group that's using the weekend therapy versus a group that's using PRN use. And yeah, yeah, totally. After six I guess, months, whether or not it's actually less. I think it's a great right? comment, and I, I'm really glad that you're going to run that study. Yeah. The, the, the On your trouble, arms, James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have this, so, I don't, so it would be, yeah. So, you know, that would be a very good study, Emily, but it, we, there's a couple things. There's the practical side of things, which is that patients, even when given permission to use PRN, they, they for some reason, and it could be, it could be just that they don't, they start too late, or is it that once a flare starts, it has to take a, a certain path like is it is by the time you recognize a flare and start your restart your corticosteroid is it too far gone and so these are these are questions that your your study design would answer but for someone who tr tried the prn thing with patients i was surprised at how often they returned for me just to give them the same advice again to to go on it for two to four weeks now because by the time they showed up to me i think that the principle of the weekend therapy is to prevent that flare from happening and requiring two to four weeks yeah, exactly. of therapy. So we'll, yeah, it, yeah. I, I'm sure that someone is dreaming of that study and it doesn't have to be you, Emily. It turns no, no. out you've got a couple day jobs. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, let's move on then to another very easy question, which is whether higher potency is better than lower potency. And so this, um, so the paper that Mike was referring to originally their conclusion was that there was no difference in effectiveness between high and medium potency topical corticosteroids. Um, so to, to go over the data, the first problem is that people don't necessarily agree as to what potency steroids should be. So um, it's a bit of a nebulous. So we all there are different potency classifications. They don't they don't all agree. Um, so that's the first problem is just there is no unified way of um, ranking the steroids. So using one classification, so that's a four potency classification. So for example, we're having mild hydrocortisone 1%, moderate hydrocortisone valerate 0.2%, high beta-methadone valerate 0.1%, and very high clobetazole dupropionate 0.05%. So using that classification, um, there's some pretty good evidence that mild is worse than moderate or high. So if we're comparing mild potency versus moderate, and we're looking at marked improvement at one to four, five weeks, for mild is about 34%, it improves to 52% with moderate, as four RCTs, about 500 patients, and now we need to treat of six. And then... Um, so for uh, mild, 40% versus 71% for high potency, 9-RCT is also about 500 patients and number 84. So the conclusion from that is that moderate potency or high potency appears to be better than mild potency, and there's some pretty good evidence for that. It gets trickier when we're looking at moderate or high potency versus more potent. So here we have a bit of some mixed results. Um, so if we're looking at your usual between participant trials, so RCTs with two different groups, which most people are more familiar with, um, marked improvement at one to five weeks, there's really no difference between um, moderate versus high or high versus very high. If very few, well, not very few. Uh, for moderate, we're looking at five RCTs of refining patients and high potency versus very high, just one RCT, 100 patients. But... 
When you look at uh, within participant trials, so what they're doing now is they take one person and so that has atopic dermatitis, for example, on both arms, and they randomize one arm to treatment A and the other arm to treatment B. So uh, because we're looking at um, different potencies, so one arm will be randomized to the lower potency and the other arm to the high potency. And when we look at those trials, it seems like the higher is probably better than the lower potency. Um, so they're giving odds ratios. It's a bit difficult to interpret, but um, when we're looking at um, a moderate versus high potency, 46% found that the high potency was superior to the moderate, and only 16% thought that the moderate was superior to the high potency. I don't know if that's clear. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Numbers. And, okay. and I was gonna say, and, this has been a debate that's been going on, like when I started, practice back in in the 80s uh this debate about the different potencies of steroids was there for you know for many 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 conditions and and it's interesting that it's still you know the evidence is not overwhelmingly clear one way or the other but it certainly at least there's some suggestion that you know more potent is a better way it's going to be variable yeah and then we have um uh, network meta-analysis using a seven-potency classification system, so a bit different. And they're showing gradual increase in efficacy, but um, so as you get more potent, you're more efficacious, but there is no direct, uh, statistics provided. So in the end, um, um, you know, higher potencies are better than low potencies. Once you reach the sort of moderate high and very high, it's not clear whether... Um, uh, the higher you get, the more the more improvement you get. Although probably there is some improvement, but it's not the evidence is not great. And then what I say, there's also some disagreement among people as to uh, how you how would you actually classify the different steroids. Yeah. I think it. Yeah, like Emily has it right. I you know in the we I don't know how many times we went over this together, Emily. Looking at this too many, data too many way too many and yeah it's a definite solid maybe yeah that as it goes up as the potency goes up it it does help more patients um improve their eczema but it is you know if you, you find one thing you're like yeah it looks like it is better and then they find the next thing oh okay it's not it's but it's not ever fine yeah it's it's not we never we never found anything that said moderate was better than high potency. It was either the same or the high potency was better. Yeah. So th th it it's tr if anything, you know, we hate the word trending, but that's the direction you would if you had to guess, you'd say yeah, probably is better, but it's the evidence isn't substantive. And I, mean, I think, and I was going to say yeah. just looking at the numbers that you guys have there, I think it, you know, the uh, ballpark you could say you know, um, mild is around 30%, moderate is maybe going to 50%, so that's a 20% difference. Now, when you look at the mild versus high, it's about a 30% difference. So, you know, you, you what, you, what you're what trying to tease out, and maybe that's why it's difficult to show it, is when you get to moderate versus high, you're maybe looking at another 10% of people who get better, which means that's a lot of people you got to study relatively. So that's, it's, it's not, it's not, uh, I, I think you can comfortably say it's not going from 50% to 100%, you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah, no, and it's, and, and of course, in these studies, James, as you well know, there would be the SCORAD um, scoring system. Yeah. There would be the ERAD scoring system. Oh, yeah. There would yeah. be 
there'd be five to six, there'd be a Likert scale, there'd be a visual analog scale. And, you know, the scale number one and four found improvement, but two and three didn't. It, it becomes yeah. tricky um, to, to figure these things out. It's not, um, it's not absolutely clear, but yeah. And we'll give you some idea when we get to the context and bottom line. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons why you worry about those things is because there, I guess you would assume that the higher potency would have more potential harms and side effects, um, which is also not clear. Yeah, um, and we'll get to that in just a minute, but there was also just a minute. Yeah. One, one study looking at once versus twice daily, which is kind of yeah. a useful thing. Yeah, so, well, it's one uh, systematic review. So far, five RCTs, 903 patients, that showed that once daily was pretty much the same as twice daily. And those are studies that only use the same steroids. Yeah, but that's an important but, thing. I mean, it's, it makes it twice as convenient. So this research has to be wrong, James, because two is higher than one. Yes, two is always better than one. Just, just some simple math here. Yeah, to go over. Yeah. Oh, it's a, this is this is a really important thing. And one of my um, pharmacy colleagues, and you know, we don't like to bring them up for no, 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 yeah, yeah. But one of our, I, yeah, this is Adrian. She reminded me that at her, um, when she was working um, as a hospital pharmacist, they changed almost all of the orders that were BID to once a day. Yeah, um, because it was a common understanding that the once a day was obviously much easier on nursing mm -hmm. and um and there's no benefit uh, and had no no benefit so yeah. yeah it was this was this one was a bit of a surprise to me because uh, you know again kind of what i was joking about just the principle level if i gave it twice it's got to be better than yeah. once but it's no different than you know double doubling the dose rarely gives you more effect how dare you i know <laughs> Good day, sir. <laughs> okay, so I'll move you on to adverse events. Yeah, um, which, which is really, which is really actually the key thing, right? Yeah, and still hard to. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I'm, it's a key thing, and we we will we will be vague. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So limited information sums it up. In the short term, they're well tolerated. So we're talking about let you know two to six weeks, which is a uh, most of the RCTs that we have. Um, so some skin skin redness or skin thinning less less than one percent of patients, and we have about a thousand five hundred patients that have been randomized. Um, so they're well tolerated in the short term, but the RCTs are short. Um, there's probably some poor reporting or inconsistent reporting. Um, and it's difficult. Another thing too is the the um, I think the side effect that we're all worried about is the skin thinning, um, but it can be difficult to measure, and it's a bit different when you're looking at diseased versus uh, normal skin. Um, so with some evidence that maybe the steroids would have less of an impact on a diseased skin than than the the normal skin, but it's just really not clear. Then we have a whole slew of very, very small trials. So we're talking 24 trials, um, 309 patients. So not a lot of patients. And those are poor volunteers, or I guess I shouldn't say poor volunteers, but nice people who volunteer um, to have their normal skin um, treated with a steroid and to have usually a biopsy. So you can look at the um, epidermal thickness. 
And what you see is with the mild steroid, there's very little epidermal thickness loss, but with very potent steroid, it's 26% of the total um, epidermal thickness. So some sort of, um, you know, almost in vitro data showing that very potent steroids probably do cause some um, thickness loss. So epidermal thickness on normal skin. But how does that translate to patients using steroids for their atopic dermatitis? Really, we don't know. And it's, and it's going to be it's going to be potency related. It's going to be duration. It's going to be all that sort of stuff. And so, yeah, it's, it's difficult. But that I mean, but what what we've now done is that's the best available evidence we have around this, right? Yeah. And that's shocking, though, right? When yeah. you think about how much worry there is about the adverse events of topical corticosteroids. Mm -hmm. And we, we know they exist, yeah. just like you said at the beginning no about our, our experience with patients, what patients have experienced, and, and this evidence that was done in patients with healthy skin. But the degree, the risk, we don't have yeah. that well assessed for um, patients with atopic dermatitis, yeah. partly because they, as Emily said, they have diseased skin, so it would... Um, you know, we have to recognize that they're applying it to often thicken skin mm -hmm. um, already. So, yeah, it's, it's this was a shock to me. I kind of suspected it, but mm -hmm. but it's such a pervasive idea um, yeah. of how risky topical. Like, I think when you have kids, you're seeing your you're seeing kids in your practice, and you're prescribing topical corticosteroids. Uh, you, if you see two families in a row and one of them doesn't ask about the risk of this. I, I'd be yeah. surprised. Yeah, so that and that's the problem. So there's a there's a, there's a, the belief, and people go, well, what about using steroids all the time? You know that. So there's a fear, and we don't even we can't even tell you the if it's a legitimate fear for many things, right? Yeah, the degree of risk. Yeah, the degree of risk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How it's a legitimate it fear, I think, because I think I don't think there's any doubt that you know it does it. It does, does it. it the, sure. the issue is what's the magnitude? Yeah, yeah, but you know, it's it's nice to see that at least something says with mild. They didn't see anything, but boy, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so that that's the evidence. So Emily, what's the context to the, all this? Um, so we should mention because we also did um, podcast never long ago. But tacrolimus zero point one percent is at least equivalent to moderate potency right. corticosteroids. Yeah. So another option. And the guidelines they usually recommend moisturizers for all patients. And then what to do after that? Uh, it's not clear. Um, I think it's probably reasonable to do a stepwise increase in potency if things, um, um, you know, if if the, if uh, the patients don't improve, although the weekend therapy can also be an option, as we've discussed with patients who've had multiple flare-ups and are um, being impact impacted by that. Yeah, and and I think one of the I think probably one of the more important things is is you, you you're going to look at cost. You know, because yeah, cost matters, and yeah. and you know, there's a lot of talk about how to approach um, atopic dermatitis and eczema, and the the potency and the yeah, and and all the different types of creams. But really, it boils down to for many of us in practice, what you did was you had your low potent, which was some kind of hydrocortisone yeah. type cream. Then you had your primary one that you always used in the mid range, mm -hmm. and that was almost always beta methasone mm -hmm. and then something in the super duper which you almost never went to yeah and that's a medical term right yeah super duper yeah, yeah. you'll see that it's in the it's a one of the um potency ranking systems yeah that, nice uh, the super duper yeah glossed over yeah, yeah. it's not <laughs> I, I, all or anything yeah and i hate to say this that's actually better than what there is there now 
but we'll leave it. <laughs> it probably is actually. Yeah. Um, but you know, and and then there's all of these rules about the fingertip rule about how much spreads over yeah, yeah. Uh, fingertip of dispense cream. But really, again, the practical element is just remember to give enough. Yeah. Like if if there's a if there's a big patch and you want somebody to use it for for two weeks, give a hundred, give, you know, give 150 grams if you think they're going to need it again. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, if someone's got eczema over their whole body and, you know, they're going to be coming back and back, you can, there's, there's, there's bigger tubs. I remember, um, uh, seeing someone who was sent for just a moisturizer tub of like Aquaphor or, or um, Eucerin or, mm -hmm. and, or they can use Vaseline too, but that this person had had a reaction to Eucerin and they got sent home with a 30, um, or 60 gram jar. Mm -hmm. that, 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 yeah, that, that's enough for Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> like really, it's just so important to remember that. And once you're familiar with your patient, you know, they're not excessively using it, but they have need. You can give those bigger jars exactly. like 450 yeah. grams. And exactly. Yeah. Like, that. Good. like, so just, just be cognizant of the fact that patients are, they don't need to keep going back. And every time they go back, the cost for a lot yeah. of these things is actually the dispensing fee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, they, these they, there's a lot of there's a lot of other costs, but you're right. Yeah, yeah. For, yeah. for the patient, though, a, a lot there's a yeah. big chunk of the cost is the dispensing yeah, yeah. fee. So five, uh, thirty gram little tubes or jars yeah. is um, uh, going to be costing them fifty bucks in dispensing fee or more. Yeah, exactly. Versus a hundred and fifty gram jar. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. So Emily, what's the bottom line? I mean, my agree some job. I think, yeah. yeah, just not to get too hung up about these classifications of steroids. I know I used to when I was a medical student or resident. Mm -hmm. um, big one or three that you're comfortable with, and then that's probably just fine. Once daily seems as effective as twice daily. If you have frequent flares, then weekend therapy is an option. Um, they're well tolerated, but we really don't have a lot of long-term data. And we're not really able to quantify the risk of skin thinning, which is um, would be a great thing to do given how uh, how often they're prescribed. Yeah, well, with a great job. This is a, a difficult thing to do, and you guys, as best as possible, have put together all the best available evidence. And and, and then, you know, the once you've got the best available evidence, and you use your clinical experience and values and preferences, and put it all together, and you have a nice tidy package of uh, sort of a decision making process. So it's all good. Anything else you guys want to add about this topic? Just that uh, we, our co-author on this one was uh, Jennifer Young. Okay, uh, great. Practicing family doc who is on the podcast at times yeah. too. And I'm a big part of peer as well. And Emily did the yeoman's work on this. It was a massive amount of work. And um, just because of that Cochrane review, but then looking through other ones and uh, yeah. So uh, uh, hats off um, in, in getting it summarized this clearly. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, just a couple of things. So our uh, meme conference, make evidence matter for everyone is coming up in May 24, 25. It's in Vancouver. We have, uh, you can attend live, you can attend online. We would love it if you would, uh, hang out with us for a couple of days. We have a lot of fun with it. I, I think you get lots of great little useful tips at the comments that we get from people who attend go, Wow, there's so many useful little tidbits of information that we get from this. Uh, it's well worth the time and, and energy, energy to do and, and come to the conference. And Vancouver is lovely in May, most of the time, other than uh, if it rains. And it never rains in Vancouver, so <laughs> we would love it if you did show up. Anything else, Mike? And we'll just mention uh, CFPC yeah. Learn. It's, um, uh, it's a 
a platform, a learning platform that offers a whole bunch of things like this podcast is offered mm-hmm. there. It's certified. Um, there's other podcasts, Tools for Practice is there and certified. And so if you read Tools for Practice and you want credits for it, you just have to sign up if you uh, want uh, credits for this podcast. And the good news is they're uh, directly entered for you if you're a family physician. So they're entered. You don't have to chase that down. Um, yeah, so it's it's a very convenient way to um, learn and get your credits. Yeah, and if uh, I'm sure the audience now who've been following us for years and years wonders whether Mike and I will ever be certified, and the answer is probably yes. The different kind of certification. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so um, I think we'll just leave it at that. So thanks as always for listening. Thank you. Talk to you later. Bye.